Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, Matthew Betts and Matt Okada. Welcome back to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Divisional Series. I'm your host, Ken Wyrock, filling in for the Divisional Series, joined by my wonderful friends, Matthew Betts and Matt Okada. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Uh, as good, if not better, than we were doing when we recorded the last podcast, Kent, the AFC South. It was probably at least six minutes ago. <laughs> so not much has changed <laughs> yes yeah we <laughs> we're gonna be we releasing back this to back so this episode <laughs> later in the week um so it's gonna sound different because it sounds like it's a new day okada's wide awake at this point but because mm. of scheduling conflicts we're recording these both on the same day uh which is sunday august 18th um so if there's any news that has come out we will not be talking about it look for us to talk about that uh on twitter no, we will not. So instead, guess what? We can just jump right into the divisional news or stuff and whatever. Anyway, <laughs> today we're talking about the NFC South, uh, which, of course, we've been starting from the bottom of each division as we've been talking about them. So last year at 5-11 and 11 was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Do we five and eleven? Gosh, that is that's a pretty bad season, all things considered, in, in Tampa Bay. Um They've had some a, a little bit of changes here, but Jameis Winston still the quarterback. Uh, they brought in Bruce Arians as the head coach, probably the biggest change for them. Uh, first of all, do you guys like that move? I assume you do, but tell me tell me how you feel about Bruce Arians being in Tampa Bay. I love it. I He's also a good like coach. it. <laughs> oh, just like come on, Ben. Okay, I like it a lot. How about that? I like it a lot. I like it yes. a lot, uh, especially for Jameis I, Winston, who we're going to talk about right now. Um, Bruce Arians, known for being a great quarterback coach, he brings with him Byron Leftwich, a former NFL quarterback, as his OC. So I think the arrow is definitely pointing up here for Jameis Winston this season. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of people consider Bruce Arians to be kind of like the quarterback whisper type of guy. I mean, he's done great things with Carson Palmer in his later years and stuff like that. So I think we can kind of say that everyone's excited for uh, Jameis Winston kind of needed like a guiding uh, a guiding light or, or something something to get him on the right track because he's had all the tools but I feel like he's never really put together a truly complete season that wasn't littered with interceptions and risky throws uh and kind of some questionable stuff but uh I think this year is the year that a lot of people are excited about him you guys have him projected very, very highly, I got to say, uh, nearing 5,000 passing yards for Okada, somewhere between uh, four and 5,000 for bets. Uh, go ahead and tell me why you're excited for James Winston. Uh, I mean, the yards and the interceptions for me are kind of run of the, or not, not run of the mill, but they're within expectation of James Winston. He has been a very high yardage guy with a lot of interceptions, and I have him for 21 picks. Uh, but almost, like you said, 5,000 passing yards, which, of course, is a lot. He would probably lead the league, potentially, unless Patrick Mahomes pops off again. But, yeah, it's it's the Bruce Arians business. Uh, I think he's going to do great things for Jameis. Um, I don't necessarily think he's going to fix his interception problem because Bruce Arians has never really cared about throwing interceptions. He's kind of cared more about the deep ball, making aggressive plays, and if that comes with some risk, that's okay. And I think Jameis will just get better 
uh, overall under Bruce, but I think he still will throw a good number of picks. Um, but I think that they'll be he'll be very good overall. Right now, he's my QB 13. He's actually projected higher than that, but I gave him a little bit of extra risk just because he's Jameis Winston. <laughs> he's not going to lose his job this year, or at least it's much less likely that he will, so that's good. No more Fitzmagic in the way. But yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of him, I'm a fan of the coach, and I'm a fan of his weapons for sure. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that uh, Winston, who is my quarterback 13, takes a step forward this season. Like Okada, I also do think he throws his fair share of interceptions. We both have him projected at 21, which is a lot. But if you're playing in a typical fantasy league that doesn't really dock your quarterback too many points, I think most standard settings is one point. Um, that's not a big deal at all when it comes to season's end. So the upside is there. The other thing is Okada and I both have this team projected to be a very pass-happy offense with a terrible defense. So just like last season, I think that's recipe for success for Jameis Winston and all the pass catchers there in Tampa. So uh, I love him this season. Yeah, I tend to agree. Um, I, I rate my quarterbacks in Scott Fishbowl, Baker Mayfield, and Jameis Winston. Ooh, spicy AF. Ooh, I love doesn't it. That fa- doesn't that sound fun? Anyway, it does. Um, yeah, I think it could be a fun year. Uh, obviously, let's you know we'll go into the receivers. Mike Evans is the returning stalwart of the receiving core. Uh, Chris Godwin expected to pick up some slack in the wake of Deshaun Jackson leaving, and then um, we also have some maybe like. A little bit of sprinkle of like Justin Watson, Brashad Perryman has some opportunity. I think uh, it's interesting there. But uh, Mike Evans, do you guys see him as a, a locked and loaded wide receiver one, like no risk at all? Yes, 100%. I think Mike Evans is one of the more underrated players in all of fantasy. He has been incredible to start his career. So consistent with plenty of upside in the years that he gets touchdowns which for some reason seem to bounce around a little bit but even when he doesn't get them it doesn't matter because he gets the yards and when he does get them he literally has the upside of the wide receiver one which he's been before for me right now he's my wide receiver five behind Tyreek Hill ahead of oh gosh this is going to cause problems Devontae Adams and Odell Beckham Jr. <gasps> Yes. What? <laughs> yeah, that was me buddy. At disbelief. <laughs> yeah. It's uh listen, I got him for 1400 yards and 9 touchdowns on 86 catches. So I'm f- 100% an Evans truther/believer/lover. I am as well. I mean, I I do love the guy. He's got um a perfect situation for fantasy like we talked about with Winston. Lots of volume, not many pass catchers to compete with. Yes, Chris Godwin takes a step forward. Yes, O.J. Howard takes a step forward. But Kent, you just routed off the rest of the depth chart. It is not scary. So there's no way Mike Evans is not a top 10 wide receiver this season, barring uh, health, of course, um, which has not been an issue for him at all. Massive red zone target. Yeah, I think Mike Evans is a lock for a fantastic season. Um, Yeah, I tend to agree. I mean, you know, you guys don't want to hear this, and it's fantasy football. He's going to be good. Uh, But he's one of the not as good yards after the catch receivers in that top tier. Um, at least analytically speaking, that's where he, he loses the most expected points, but, um, he's good. I mean, he's going to catch touchdowns. He's really good at that. He's a great, um, contested catch kind of guy. He's going to get it done. Um, I just want to point out that that's probably one of the few characteristics that really separates himself from the, the top, top tier of receivers, but he probably will be a wide receiver one. So that's I just want to give you some some uh, 
a viewpoint, a different viewpoint. On yeah, that. I don't know what's up with that. It's kind of sad, but it is very true. Um, I don't know if you've played much on Sleeper yet, Kent, but you can nickname all your players on your team. It's very yeah. fun. Uh, and I have Mike Evans in one of our dynasty leagues, and I nicknamed him "What is Yak?" Question <laughs> mark. <laughs> That's that. good. I like that a lot. Uh, so um, sad, but true. Okay, but let let's talk about the secondary guy here who is getting hyped up all over Twitter. Chris Godwin. Um, some people are thinking he's gonna like jump ahead of Mike Evans. I mean, I'm serious. There's that much hype surrounding him right now. Uh, I think it's warranted to a degree. Uh, you guys both have him below a thousand yards, though. Do you do you think that there's an opportunity for him to jump above a thousand, maybe even somewhere in the eleven hundred range? I think there absolutely is. Um, in fact, before we even started talking about the Buccaneers, right when we started the episode and you were writing the intro, I have a little notes thing where I where I put little tidbits of things I want to adjust to my projections, and I put Godwin up arrow. <laughs> so. I think yes. I think he's going to go up. Uh, one of the ways I'm, I think that I might adjust his team in general is upping the catch rates of all these guys because I've based I base the catch rates usually on their history. But if James Winston gets better, more accurate, which is not something he's been under Bruce Arians, that's something that could go up for all of these guys. So I think that I I think my Godwin projections are going to go up. I think he will crack a thousand yards. Uh, right now I have him only as my wide receiver twenty three which isn't great. He'll probably jump up a few spots, uh, but he's getting drafted as wide receiver 18, to your point of the hype. So I don't imagine he'll get much higher than that for me, probably right around there at best. So I don't know how much of a value he is per se, but I think he's going to be very productive. When you were talking, Okada, I gave two arrows up on my notes pad <laughs> to Chris Godwin. Oh. Well, hold on. I got to put three now. Well, okay. <laughs> no. Infinity plus one. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, Chris Godwin, looking at my projections, which I've got him for about almost 900 yards and six touchdowns, I'm going to bring that up for sure. I think the the ceiling is probably 1,100 yards like you talked about, Kent. Um, I don't know that he gets quite that high, but I think 1,000 is certainly within the realm of possibility. Uh, we just talked about it on our last podcast, following the drumbeat. Chris Godwin is doing everything right in terms of what he's done at camp so far. And Justin Watson is a complete question mark. Brashad Perryman is just a guy. I mean, Bobo Wilson, who even is that? DeMarcus Lodge. Uh, so the <laughs> names are just, there's no one else there. By default, he has to have a productive season if Okada and I are projecting Jameis Winston the way we are. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to adjust my rankings here on Chris Godwin right now. Uh, currently, I have uh, him at wide receiver 24. He'll probably be in the top 18 or 19 for me. I fear the hype is gone too much out of control. I just looked up his ADP on Fantasy Football Calculator. He is going at 409 right now. That's that's a bit spicy for me. That's talking mm. about you're probably picking him as your wide receiver too. I don't know if I'm ready to rely on him uh, that quickly as a wide receiver too. Yeah, that's... Ah, uh, as a wide receiver two, I think I'm okay having him as wide receiver two. It'd be a low end wide receiver two for me in my rankings. Uh, may get a little higher than that, but but that is high. And there are guys behind him that I like better: Cooper Cup, Tyler Boyd, Mike Williams. Uh, all of them are a little bit above Godwin for me right now. Tyler so, Lockett is going behind him. Yeah, what is up with that? The hype is That's real, absurd. man. Okay. 
And anyway, now I just put one down arrow on my crystal. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh! Yeah, that draft there price we is scary. I mean, at that point, you're passing on proven assets, which I never like really doing in my in my draft. Of course, unless it's like a, a rookie running back, like a Saquon Barkley of last year or something like that. But um, yeah, that draft price is a little scary. I don't know that I'm willing to invest at that capital. Well, speaking of a high draft price. Let's go down 11 picks in ADP to Mr. O.J. Howard, currently at 508 on Fantasy Football Half Point uh, per reception drafts. Um, but he, you guys haven't projected for a huge year, uh, totally relegating Cameron Bray to being irrelevant. Uh, you guys are looking at about 800, 900 yards and eight touchdowns. That's a huge tight end season, probably in the top three or four, depending on injuries and stuff like that. Uh, which seem to happen every year. Are you guys willing to take your tight end in the fifth round, basically? And and if do you want it to be OJ Howard? Ooh, that is the interesting question because for me, he's going just ahead of Evan Ingram in drafts, um, and a whole round ahead of Hunter Henry. I do value him a good, probably a round ahead of Hunter Henry, so I'm okay with that. But I like Evan Ingram actually a good bit better than OJ Howard. So I would go Ingram in this range. Having said that, if someone liked Ingram even more and sniped me and O.J. Howard were still there in the fifth, yes, I would probably buy in on O.J. Howard in the fifth. I, I've i been saying all year that I want one of the top three tight ends. But if I don't get one of the top three tight ends, I almost have to get one of the next three or it gets un- incredibly ugly. Um, and O.J. Howard is way, way up there. Uh, pretty much right behind Ingram for me as the tight end five. Actually, right behind Ertz because I have Ingram ahead of uh, Ertz, but they're pretty close. So right behind that tier. Yeah, I really like him. I think he finally takes the step forward and gets a full season, and Cameron Bray, as you said, does finally get relegated where he belongs, which is not the number one tight end when one of the potentially best tight ends in the league is sitting next to him on the bench. Yeah, I, I echo a lot of that. I mean... One of the most past happy offenses in the league. At the absolute worst case scenario, he's the third receiving option there um, on that depth chart. So I, I love OJ Howard this season. I just moved him up to my tight end four recently after doing more uh, projections updates. And uh, at that price, I think I'm willing to invest. But if it gets any higher, I likely will be out, mostly for the same reason like we just talked about with Chris Godwin. Um, there's just so much, so many other players around that area that I prefer. Uh, as far as drafting there. But yeah, I, I can't argue with anyone who wants to take O.J. Howard this season at that price. Yeah, I'm very excited for him. I think he can be uh, a top five tight end. I think I have him ranked as such right now. Um, probably even above Ertz, if I'm not mistaken. I, I'm, I'm all in on O.J. Howard. Uh, OJ Howard. Uh, I think with the loss of Deshaun Jackson, he's going to get a couple of those targets. He's a great uh, down-the-seam type of guy, stretches the field pretty well as, as well. So very excited about him, but let's go on to the next team in the NFC South. That is the Carolina Panthers. Came in at seven and nine last year. Um, you know, Cam Newton returning. Uh, we got DJ Moore in his second year. Curtis Samuel in his second year. Christian McCaffrey coming back. This is a this is a good offense, and it hasn't really changed too much from last season. So let's start at the top. Mr. Cam Newton himself, uh, he's been known to be one of the the biggest rushing quarterbacks in the league. Last year was a little bit less than usual, if I'm not mistaken. I don't have it pulled up at the moment, but uh, do we think that, you know, 
he could rush as much as say like a, a Lamar Jackson or a, a Josh Allen. I think you guys have him around 575 rushing yards. Do you, do you think he's in that category of quarterback? Um, I got the numbers for you, Kent. So last year he rushed 101 times, which was his second lowest in his career. He in in 2016 he had 90 uh, for only 488 yards. I have him going up from both those numbers uh, back to 115 rush attempts, which is still a little bit below his average, but pretty close to it, and 575 yards, and importantly, six touchdowns. So I think that is pretty close to the range uh, for me of Josh Allen, maybe uh, like between Trubisky and Allen, kind of in that range, not Lamar Jackson. I think Lamar Jackson I have for a good amount more. But it'll be valuable. I think it'll be very valuable if he stays healthy. That will keep him in the high-end QB1 range for me. Yeah, and just to speak to that, you know, obviously he didn't play in the last few games of the season. So those numbers are a bit skewed. If you're looking at, you know, rush attempts per game, it's it was pretty close to his career average, just a, a bit lower. Um, I think he returns to about that level. So, you know, I think you mentioned Okada, it was like 101. If that's closer to, let's, let's say... 115 I mean that definitely adds extra value I think he's right around where Josh Allen is so yeah I agree with that um having said that I will say I am concerned about his passing this year a bit at least from Cam Newton's perspective I like a couple of his weapons in the receiving game especially compared to their draft prices but I so one of the the drum beats that I've heard around the NFL network and this is not just from one meeting I've heard this several times is that this new throwing motion thing that he's been working on has been ugly. And the whole team has been concerned about how he's been looking. Norv Turner has not liked very much how he's been looking. So the reports that I've gotten, pretty much off the record, we haven't really talked about it much on the network, but it's that Cam Newton is a concern from a passing standpoint, coming off of this shoulder again. Uh, whether he stays healthy, maybe that's not as much of a concern even. Maybe he is healthy, but I think there's a chance that he tries to compensate a little bit to fix this recurring issue, and it goes poorly. And so I my passing numbers for him are not great, and it brings him down to my QB10 in my rankings right now between that and his, uh, his kind of just risk with the shoulder. I think he has upside, but I am concerned. Yeah, that's and that's fair. Um I mean, we can maybe talk a little bit more about the injury stuff, but, uh, you know, we could talk about his other weapons as well. Specifically, his top weapon is Christian McCaffrey. Um, you guys both have huge, you know, receiving a year for him. 93, 96 receptions, 700-plus yards. Uh, he's going to be huge in the passing game, and obviously he's huge on the ground as well. Has no competition behind him at all. Uh, Cameron Artis Payne is, like, the only other name-relevant running back there, and even he's – not good at all. So Christian McCaffrey locked and loaded. He's a top three pick. I, you know, I've taken him number one overall in some of my drafts this year. I do want exposure to Christian McCaffrey. Uh, and that's pretty much the only way I've been able to get him. So uh, I'm going to do that. And I'm very excited for him this year. I think barring injury, he's, he's locked in top three. Uh, he's certainly in that tier. I have him as actually my RB five right now, and that's mainly James Connor's fault because we've talked about the fact that he's in my top oh, five yeah. and he's not in anyone else's. So McCaffrey would be the bottom of what most people call the elite four. For me, it's the elite five, and he's at the bottom of it. That would probably 
Actually, I was going to say that would jump up a little bit in uh, full PPR, but it probably wouldn't because the guys ahead of him are Saquon Barkley and Alvin Kamara and Connor, uh, who I think is going to catch a lot of passes as well. So, yeah, but he's still right there in that elite tier. There's not much separation for me between those guys. So he's elite. Yeah, he definitely is. His floor is so safe. Last season, based off of receiving value alone, he would have been the wide receiver 17. So um, he's a wide receiver and a running back all-in-one player. Okada and I both project him to be the team's wide receiver one. So he's as safe as it comes. I'm totally okay if anyone wants to draft him as the overall first pick in your fantasy draft for sure. And I think this ties in nicely to the Cam Newton discussion because his numbers last year, this is Cam Newton, um, were the best of his career from a completion percentage standpoint. That's because of Christian McCaffrey and the way that they use him in the passing game. So um, not much else to say. You can't argue with anyone that wants to take him number one overall. Uh, yeah, I think that's it up there. There's no other relevant running backs to talk about. So let's go to the wide receivers. Uh, top of the depth chart, uh, although some people would have maybe argue he's not the top receiver. Uh, we'll get into that in a second. But DJ Moore... Um, entering his second year, one of the higher touted receivers in quite a while, uh, at least analytically. Um, he kind of had a good season last year, but certainly wasn't as impressive as I think some people were expecting. You guys have him at, well, it looks like Okada's a little bit lower on him. In fact, very low on the touchdown count, but 800 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, looks like Betts has him around just under 1,000 yards and five touchdowns. I would probably lean more towards Betts' projection here, um, just simply because... You know, I, I know McCaffrey's going to get a lot of work, but those yards from Cam Newton have to go somewhere, and it's likely going to be a split of DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. So I, I see DJ Moore getting a little bit more work, uh, even though Samuel's been getting some hype. But I don't know. Tell me, guys, what do you feel about DJ Moore and or um, Curtis Samuel this year? Okada, did you uh, just hear Kent tell you that you're wrong? Yes, <laughs> and I will tell him that he is wrong, but it's not his fault. Uh, I, I you're uh, you looking at our combined projection numbers? Uh, I pulled up the the that raw data sheet. That yeah, has, the combined one. Uh, okay. Right yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. so apparently some amateur, it was me, uh, did not <laughs> did not put the right numbers in there or have not recently updated oh, the Panthers. Okay. So let's see. I just changed it, and he's up to five touchdowns. So we have a live update on the show and the yep. projections, people. Yeah, I have at five touchdowns, so not quite as bad. But I still, uh, to your point, I guess I still have him behind Curtis Samuel in every category except for yards. DJ Moore is uh, thirty yards ahead of him for me, ahead of Curtis Samuel. But I am a big Curtis Samuel fan this year, and I think that I have them almost equal across the board, just separated by. Let's see, one two point one fantasy points, so it's gonna be it's gonna be the the duo basically. Um, I like Curtis Samuel more at his price, but I think that they both will be okay. Yeah, I tend to lean towards DJ Moore as being the more productive receiver in this offense, partially because of what Okada was saying about Cam's new throwing motion and how it might not translate quite as well this season if he's changing that motion he's not going to be able to necessarily chuck the ball deep downfield to uh, Curtis Samuel the way we maybe want him to and I think that plays more into DJ Moore's strength being able to get their short and intermediate passing game uh, 
targets and do a lot with them as far as run after the catch. So uh, I like DJ Moore a lot this season. I think he's a, a weapon that's going to be used all over the field. Help even provide some rushing attempt numbers for you. So I like DJ Moore a lot this season. Um, I'm comfortable taking him there as a wide receiver three. I think that that boom week can come from DJ Moore this season. Uh, and really, just really quick to speak to th- my rankings for them and their draft price, because I think that's the important thing for listeners. Uh, I have Samuel at 28 and DJ Moore at 29. So they're literally back to back. But in uh, ADP, DJ Moore is coming in at 25. And I have to scroll to find Curtis Samuel at 33. Uh, so I think Samuel is the value. Um, I think they could both be decent, but I'm going Curtis Samuel from a draft perspective. So that's the point I was going to bring up too is, but even, even a month, a month and a half ago, there was like a four, Bigger. five round difference. Yep. Now it's down to under two rounds. I'm seeing on fantasy football calculator, fifth round, late fifth round, and then mid seventh round uh, for DJ Moore and then Curtis Samuel respectively. So um, that, that, that gap is getting tighter. We're now obviously in the height of draft season, so it's probably going to be about what their price is. Um, but the value is – it depends on what you see as the disparity between the two receivers and their and their points. You obviously see them much closer, mm-hmm. um, so I could understand taking Samuel. I still think I, I can see a bigger upside on DJ Moore um, than Samuel. But, I'd agree. Um, I, I think that that might be the difference in value for some people. So – uh, it's close, though. That's certainly for sure. Uh, over at the tight end position, Greg Olson has returned. Um, this is, I don't even know how many seasons for him, but he's getting up there in age. I think he's now 34, 35 years old. He's, uh, you know, not as fast as he used to be. He's old, reliable. Uh, Ian Thomas, when when Greg Olson was injured last year, played okay. I'm not going to say he was good. He wasn't really bad either. He was just kind of okay. Um, so I think Greg does return to the top tight end spot here pretty easily. Uh, it's just a matter of if you think he's going to be reliable this year and will he stay healthy and produce the entire time? Uh, the health uh, is definitely, yeah, the health is definitely the question mark for Greg Olson. Um, it's, it sounds counterintuitive, but I will say I'm more confident in Greg Olson's health this season than I was last season. And mostly that's because of what the history shows us and the statistics show us with these Joan fractures. So obviously we have to go back two seasons to when the foot problems started to take place for Olsen. He broke the bone on the outside of his foot, obviously tried to rehab it, came back, re-injured it, had a second surgery last off season. Um, And we know that guys that do better over time do better because they have the second surgery. So I think for Greg Olson, um, if you're going to count on the season that he does it, I think it's this year. I don't know that you know long term he's really there much longer, but I would just kind of caution people: don't be surprised when you see Greg Olson sh- like show up on the injury report on a, a DNP on a Wednesday and a Thursday. I think the team is going to be smart with him this season. They're going to manage his reps in practice a lot. I think they'll try to do that so they can have him for game action, and if he can be out there. Uh, I think he's a value because the rest of the wide receiver depth chart is a bunch of question marks. Um, so here's my thing with Greg Olson. The last time he was, well, let's over 1,000 yards, which was in the 2016 season. Do you guys remember who his wide receivers were? Who the wide receivers on the team were? I'm going to have to guess Kelvin Benjamin You're, was there. 
Kel- yep. Kelvin Benjamin, <laughs> Devin Funchess, and Ted Ginn. Ew. Yeah. Um, I think the receiving talent is a lot better around him now, so that's probably one of my biggest hangups right and now. And no Christian yeah. McCaffrey either. Yep. And no Christian McCaffrey. That's a very good point. So I don't know. I, I he's been like if he's really late in drafts, I'll, I'll I'll take a poke at him if I'm punting tight end. But I'd rather go for someone with a little bit more upside. Um, I don't know. How do you guys feel about it? Uh, I agree. I'm. I don't think I've drafted him a single time, uh, and it's because if I'm gonna wait that long, I'd much rather have Mark Andrews. Um. Pretty oh, yeah. much Mark Andrews. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting Mark Andrews at least a few rounds ahead of uh, where he should go, so I know I can get him. But I'm also usually not leaving my first six rounds without a tight end because of what I've talked about before with that. So poo-poo on you, Greg Olson. <laughs> if you want a pro strat, you draft Greg Olson in like the 13th round, and then you you grab Chris Herndon two weeks before he comes back from his suspension. Mm. And then you transition into the younger, more upside guy. That's pro strat. So anyway, let's wrap up, Ca- uh, excuse me, Ca- not California, Carolina, <laughs> and go on to the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, they o- were also 7-9 and nine last year, so tied with the Carolina Panthers, but probably had a tiebreaker or something to push them ahead in the division. Uh Honestly, again, not much changes here. I think the biggest change is they lost Tevin Coleman. Um, there's nothing else that's coming to mind right now. I mean, you know, you're looking at Matt Ryan, the quarterback, who was actually great last year, um, and a lot of people didn't really notice it. Uh, let's just start with him. Uh, you know, I can pull up your your projections here real quick, but tell me how you feel about Matt Ryan. Do you think he's going to produce with his productivity uh, and how he's going to be this year and where you're drafting him? I think he produces for sure. Okada and I are in simpatico with this one. Both have him at QB7, um, which is kind of just taking the middle of where he tends to fall, which is either like <laughs> QB2 or like QB14 or 15. So we're just kind of slapping him in the middle there. Um, I think it's another good season for Matt Ryan. I think it's another great season for Julio. Calvin Ridley should take a step forward here. Um, Austin Hooper should take a step forward. So if we're projecting all those guys to do more this season, you got to come back to Matt Ryan, obviously, and say that he will probably take a step forward as well uh, and be a very solid quarterback again. The thing that I love about Matt Ryan this year, it's absurd. When you look at the splits of when he plays in a dome versus on a outdoor field, they are very, very obvious and they are statistically significant. He plays 13 games in a dome this season, which is absurd, uh, and doesn't nice. play doesn't play outdoors until the 10th game of the season for the Falcons. So you have to love that. I think there's a, another big season in store for Matt Ryan. Yeah, uh, if you would like to know what I think about Matt Ryan, just rewind 60 seconds and listen to what Betts just said again. Boom. <laughs> but don't do that again when you get to me again, because then you'd be in an endless loop. <laughs> yeah, um... I actually have some quick stats on the the indoor. Matt Ryan playing indoor games or in domes is 66 and 36 and when he plays outdoor he's 34 and 33. So he is a much better when he plays in a dome. Wow, wow. And uh that's exciting stuff. I mean, that could really translate to to fantasy production even though some people might not, you know, think that that's really relevant, but I, I believe it is. I believe Matt Ryan's truly better in a dome. So, you guys have um, uh, up just under about 5,000 passing yards, 33 touchdowns. I like that. I mean, that sounds pretty reasonable. 
um, provided everything goes as planned and no one gets injured and stuff like that, but that remains to be seen. Uh, let's go to the running game. Do we think it's a bounce-back season for Devonta Freeman? Yes. Very much so, Kent. I am so excited, honestly, for this bounce-back season, possibly because I have a lot of Devonta Freeman in my dynasty leagues, but mainly just because I'm a fan and I believe in his talent and I'm excited for Tevin Coleman to be gone and Freeman to have full reign of this backfield. I have no concerns right now with Ito Smith because he has been doo-doo in the preseason uh, from a tape standpoint. Forget the numbers. He's just looked bad. And he was not good last year either, by the way. In fact, I believe I've called him doo-doo or a synonym of doo-doo before on this podcast. So I believe, I believe Freeman has full reign. In fact, I'm going to make a note to uh, take some of Smith's work and give it to Devontae Freeman because I have too much for Ito with how bad he's been. Yes, yes, I buy in. He's a mid-range, uh, he's a high-end RB2 for me right now. But that could easily bump up a couple spots if I make some projection adjustments. So, I'm in. Yeah, I think the biggest adjustment, I agree with you, Okada, I just did this before we started recording today, was taking away some of Ido Smith's work. Because, like you said, he has been very bad so far this preseason. When you watch his tape, I think Brian Hill is sneakily the backup that you mm -hmm. want if you're going to go after a backup for Devontae Freeman. Um the, the question is just health, honestly. I mean, he's got all the opportunity in a fantastic offense. I've said before, I don't love the way Devonta Freeman is trending in terms of these recurring lower body injuries. Um, obviously, the knee, the foot coming off of a groin surgery. So that's really the question mark. If he plays 14 games this season, I will absolutely love having him at that draft price because he's one of few guys, again, that I think has three down skill sets with guaranteed goal line work. Um, and I think his draft price is probably baking in the risk. So I'm okay going in on Freeman where he's going right now in drafts. Yeah, Ito Smith in this preseason has not looked terribly impressive to me. I think Brian Hills uh, looked a lot more explosive, to be perfectly honest. Uh, it, granted, limited sample size here, but um, I feel like he's looked like the better runner. So we'll see. That might develop over the course of the season. Ito Smith will probably start as the backup. Um, but that remains to be seen who is by the end of the year. So I, I agree with you guys. Uh, I think Devonta Freeman's in for a good bounce back. Um, should be close to about that thousand yard mark and good receiving, uh, chops as well. Let's go to the receivers here. Julio Jones is, uh, their, you know, cornerstone receiver has been for many years now. You guys have him for about 16,000 yards, <laughs> 16,000, 1600 <laughs> yards. That'd be a lot of same yards. Thing, same thing, same that's uh, wide receiver one by a mile. Okay, anyway, 1,600 yards uh, and nine touchdowns. Um, feels pretty safe going in the early second round right now in a lot of drafts. I think that's a pretty awesome spot to get him, wouldn't you agree? Oh, yes. I love it. Yes. He's my wide receiver two behind the clear number one Juju Smith-Schuster. <clears throat> uh, but no, Julio is incredible. He will dominate as he always does. And... Dirk Cutter is back. The last time Julio yes. Jones had double-digit touchdowns bets, we've we've brought this up before. Oh, yes. Dirk Cutter was the offensive coordinator. So could it happen again? Certainly it could. I have projected for nine, which is relatively high for Julio Jones. But if he gets that nine, there's almost no way he's not top two or three. Yeah, absolutely. I, this is the first season I think that Julio Jones is a value in drafts. I mean, getting him in round two... 
seems silly. Like if you go wide receiver, wide receiver close to the turn, you're getting someone like Odell Beckham and Julio Jones or Juju and Julio Jones. I mean, it just sounds oh so appetizing. Um, I'm in on Julio this season. He's my wide receiver too. Yeah, the back end of the first round feels like a good spot to kind of do a modified zero running back. Not not that I really subscribe to any draft strategy like that, but it just the value on those receivers feels really good. So um, I am all for that. Do do we think that Calvin Ridley, the guy who had, what was it, 10 touchdowns last year? Yeah. Uh, do you think that repeats? Do you think he has any chance of doing what he did last season? No. Usually when you've asked these questions of do they have an opportunity or do they have a chance, I say, sure. In this case, no. I don't think he's there's a chance he gets 10 touchdowns. I think that was very fluky. He's a very good player. Um, and he's, but he scored a lot of those touchdowns on big run after the catch type plays. Uh, and, and I think he'll be good at him for seven, which is still very respectable, but I think that's going to come down. I also have him for 830 yards, which is also very respectable, but I don't think he has a chance of being like a high end wide receiver two, which you might expect if you project a step forward from where he was last year. I think he'll be good, but he's one of my wide receiver 25, so basically right at the end of the wide receiver 2 range. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think there's any scenario where he has 10 receiving touchdowns this season. Um, it, his efficiency wasn't as crazy as someone like Tyler Lockett's was last year, but still, there's there's a minimal chance that it happens on the amount of targets that I'm projecting for him. So I think people are drafting him right now in, what is it, like round 5 or 6, at his ceiling, which I never like to do for a player. So um, I won't be owning a lot of Calvin Ridley this season. Yeah, mid-round five. Yeah, the guys going around him right now, uh, which, by the way, this guy's fallen a lot. A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, D.J. Mm. Moore, Mike Williams. I think I'd prefer all of them by like a healthy amount over Calvin Ridley right now in that range if I'm picking a wide receiver there. so And I don't even like Mike Williams that much. So, you know... How um, dare you, sir? No, how dare you? How dare you? You try <laughs> we'll to give me that, that juju comment. We'll get I'll get you later. <laughs> yeah, we'll get that. Uh, oh, the West is going to be another, spicy. Another good healthy argument is in store, I'm sure. But um, yeah, no, I, I'm out on him at his draft price. I don't think I've touched him at all, except for maybe one or two best balls, and that's it. Just to get a little bit of you know touchdown exposure, but I'm not super excited. Um. Mohamed Sanu, third wide wide receiver here, had some decent weeks. Is there any reason at all to 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 want him instead of Ridley at the price? Uh, yeah, at, I think actually at their prices, I might rather have Sanu. In fact, I can't even tell you what Mohamed Sanu's price is because he doesn't show up on fantasy football calculators first fourteen rounds. Um, yep. but I have him projected for just over a hundred targets, sixty-seven catches, seven hundred sixty yards, five touchdowns. That that's pretty much what he does all the time so if he can do that for me at a last pick of the draft price which and be a little bit less productive than calvin ridley at a what was it fifth round price are you kidding me for sure give me that as a, as a late flyer okay uh and then austin hooper um you guys have him at a decent season here about 650 yards four or five touchdowns uh is he a good punt target for tight end is he even considered punt i guess i you know maybe he is maybe he isn't I think he's a great he's target. In the 12th round. I think yeah. he's a great target in the 12th round if you pass on these other options. Okada's been saying the whole time, you know, he wants one of those early guys. 
and I do too, but sometimes your draft doesn't go the way you want it to, and you shouldn't reach for players, and if you avoid reaching for a tight end, you can wait and get someone like Austin Hooper, who was last year tight end six in half PPR. So um, I think you know the the ascension is there. I don't think people are talking about it enough for Austin Hooper. I mean, when you look at what he's done over the course of the first three years in terms of his receiving, he's taking steps forward every season. 19 receptions, 49 receptions. Last year, 71 receptions. So he's making that ascension that you like to see from the tight end, especially now in year four. Um, I think he's a sneaky, sneaky value this season. And if you punt tight end, you could do a lot worse. Yeah, he's my tight end 10 right now. And there's, I would say there's a tear break between him and Eric Ebron, who's my tight end 11. I think, and I uh, I haven't really meditated on this, but I'm just spit, you know, spitballing. I think he's the last tight end I would be okay with having as my starting tight end in drafts. Uh, Betts, I believe, has more of a weight on tight end uh, stomach than I do because almost every draft I've done with him, I feel like he punts uh, and I get one of the early guys. But if you force me to wait and I have to go out of my draft you know, with the tight end that I got after the first eight or nine or ten rounds, Austin Hooper is probably the last guy I'm, I'm happy to take. I just love wide receiver two, Zocata. <laughs> I can't True. I can't not take them in round four, five, and six. So yeah, I end up going that way. Uh, I've taken a little bit of Travis Kelsey early. I'm not touching Zach Ertz at his draft price. Um, and then I've taken a shot here and there on guys like Evan Ingram and OJ Howard. But yeah, in general, I would say I definitely punt the tight end position. Yeah, and, and I find myself drafting the mid-round guys. OJ Howard, Evan Ingram, Hunter Henry, Vance McDonald. Those are those are more my category, so we just cover the whole range together. <laughs> we do, we do. We like to. You got you got to give you a little bit of perspective on everything here. So, um, that'll wrap up the Falcons. Uh, let's real quick before we get to the last one, we'll do a quick promotion here. Uh, we have a sponsor for today's show, don't we? Oh yes, we do. You might have heard of him. They are the fantasy footballers. Brand new podcast on Apple Podcasts. Um, no, just kidding. These guys are They're not elite. on Stitcher yet, but they'll get there. They'll get there. These guys are, are fantastic. Their analysis is second to none. So we are very uh, excited to partner with Andy, Mike, and Jason and the Ultimate Draft Kit. The UDK is the premier draft tool in your industry. And if you're listening to this, you probably have a draft coming up within the next week. You might not have done a lot of your prep yet, but that's okay because they've got everything you need. Projections, rankings, breakouts, sleepers, busts, and Matt Harmon's reception perception. To get your ultimate draft kit and dominate your draft, go to redshirtsudk.com and enter the code redshirts to save yourself 10%. All right, Bets, I have to ask you the most difficult question you've ever been asked. Whose projections are better, ours or the fantasy footballers? Oh my gosh, is that even a question? <laughs> you said it was going to be difficult. <laughs> it's not? Clearly, it's ours. I mean, <laughs> oh, oh man! All righty. Clearly, uh, I can see the paperwork uh, to get us off their promotion <laughs> list coming anytime here. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, those guys are great. Obviously, we all go way back with them. So, um, really good guys, and uh, we're we're glad to support their draft kit. Honestly, I've I've gotten it. it. It's great. It's it's so much information you can't even believe it. The reception perception alone I think is worth the price because that's the kind of stuff you don't get to see everywhere. And I know you guys had Matt Harmon on the show and it was really awesome. There was a good show talking about that stuff. So uh, can't, can't say enough about how good their draft kit is. So go out and get it. Now, 
let's finish up the AFC South with the New Orleans Saints. They were, excuse me, 13 and 3 last year. They had a very good season, um, won the NFC South and, and played okay in the playoffs, but didn't ultimately make it to the Super Bowl. So we could talk about Drew Brees at the top here. Do, do you think he's falling off a cliff in any by any means, by any stretch of the imagination? Do you think there's a chance that he falls off the cliff this year? Yes. Uh, I, I might even answer yes to your first question, which is, is he already falling off? And not from, let me just be clear, not from an NFL quarterback standpoint. He was very, very good last year. I believe he reset the completion percentage record. There's a good chance he does it again this year, to be honest. because And that's kind of the problem. He's just not throwing what he used to. He's coming closer and closer to the line of scrimmage, throwing it to Michael Thomas on short, you know, little crossing routes, uh, hitting Alvin Kamara out of the backfield, and that's great for his completion percentage, but it's not that great for fantasy. This is not the Drew Brees you guys remember of 5 to 15 years ago when he had a stretch of, you know, 5,000 yards all the time. In fact, he's still the only guy, I believe, who has more than 5,000 yards in multiple seasons. He's incredible. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. But for fantasy, I'm not that interested. He's my wide receiver. Oh, my wide receiver. He would be. He'd probably be my last wide receiver in the league if he was a wide receiver. <laughs> he's he's my quarterback 19 right now, which is uh, it's not great. And when he's going as the quarterback 10 in drafts, it's even less great. So unfortunately, yeah. I'm not drafting him anywhere. Yeah, I remember we had a a top 10 quarterback ranking show in like March and. You know, it was silly because we're trying to fill our time with football. So what do we? What else do we do, right? And I had him at like six or seven, and you guys were like, "What are you doing? He's not going to have the volume, all this stuff." And then when I went back and looked at my projections and really sat down and tried to dissect the Saints' offense, I agree. I mean, my projections bury him in my rankings. I have him as my QB twenty, and it's not because I don't like Drew Brees. I mean, he is a Hall of Famer. He's a fantastic quarterback for the Saints, but for fantasy. Um, he won't be what you want him to be, especially at his draft price. I think he's being drafted mostly on name value alone. Yeah, missed one game last year, but did not crest that 4,000-yard passing uh, milestone last year. So uh, that's something that hasn't happened in a long time, since 2005 for Mr. Drew Brees. So um, that's pretty crazy. Also, his touchdown percentage last year was 6.5. That's a full percentage point better than his last four seasons. I could see that coming back down a little bit. He had 32 touchdown passes last year. You guys have him for about 27, 29. I can agree with that 1,000%. Um, I think he, I'm with you guys. He's being overdrafted for, for what he is as a fantasy quarterback. Obviously, agree with you. Very good NFL quarterback, and never for a second would I doubt that. But for fantasy, I am not drafting Drew Brees in any single draft. Simple as that. Let's talk about the uh, running back position. Alvin Kamara looks to be the top dog again. Latavius Murray was signed uh, formerly of the Minnesota Vikings, and you all know how I feel about him. But <laughs> Elite. Maybe we maybe we should talk about how he fits into the Saints offense and whether or not Alvin Kamara is just going to be uh, the three down back that people have always dreamed he could be. Do you believe he will be? Uh, eh, no, no, Kent. Well, uh, okay. When you say three down, it's tough because I think he'll play on all three downs. However, I think he will also lose work to Latavius Murray 
uh, probably some at the goal line, which is not ideal, although it doesn't really matter that much because I still have coming out for 10 touchdowns. But yeah, I don't think that the drop-off from Ingram to Murray is going to be that big. Not, I, I think Ingram is a little bit more talented, but in this offense, it really doesn't matter how good you are almost. They are just so good at using their running back. So I think Latavius will be productive, and I think he will get the carries. Listen, as much as we hate it for fantasy, doing what they do in New Orleans is just smart. Why would you overfeed your elite, incredible, young running back when you could give carries to an old plotter and still win, you know, the most games in the in the league and make it should have made it to the Super Bowl. Uh, in fact, probably could have won the Super Bowl if we're being honest. Uh, so yeah, this is the right way to do things for the NFL. It's not the right way to do things for fantasy. It makes me sad, but it also doesn't matter again because he's my RB two. And if Ezekiel Elliott holds out for more than another week or so, he could end up being my RB one in my rankings. Yeah, I, I can't argue with any of that, especially because for Alvin Kamara, I mean, the floor is so safe with the receiving that, like you said, Okada, they don't need to give him the ball on the ground that much more. Um, the team has been vocal saying they don't really envision a scenario where Kamara's role changes. He is what he is, which is fantastic and elite for fantasy. I'm right there with you. He's my RB2, and I think that he is certainly in the conversation for RB1. Um, based off his receiving value alone, but his rushing, you know, lack of rushing, I should say, in terms of what these other guys provide, like a Barkley or a Zeke, um, opens the door for Latavius Murray in a way that I don't know about you guys, but I found myself being on the clock, already having Kamara on a roster, and I'm actually okay taking Latavius Murray and starting both every week. Is that bananas or, or do you guys agree? Well, if it is bananas, Ooh. then I have a lot of potassium in my diet because <laughs> I did that exact thing in the Scott Fishbowl. Yeah, oh it's, I think it's 100% viable. I think that both of them are going to score a lot. This offense, it produces something like an average of 25 rushing touchdowns per season from their running backs. It annihilates the rest of the league. They Latavius Murray will score 6, 7, 8, somewhere in that range. I have him at 7. So he'll be viable, and I'm I'm fine with having either guy. Both at at their prices are fine for me. I actually think Latavius Murray will be okay this year. Uh, I don't oh. think he's as you know. That means a lot coming he's, from Kent. He's he's not as good as people <laughs> think he is. He's pretty run of the mill. He's just like an athletic guy, um, but he's not that good of a player. He doesn't have great vision. Uh, but luckily, it doesn't matter. The Saints have a good offensive line, and. They'll just put him out in space, and he can catch the ball well enough to turn that into you know, 5, 10, 15 yards and maybe a touchdown here and there. So he'll be fine. Alvin Kamara locked and loaded. Uh, he has had 81 receptions each of the last two seasons, his first two seasons in the NFL. Truly madness. Um, he's just he's good enough to be drafted in the top, especially if you're in any PPR, full PPR. He could arguably be the, the first overall pick. So um, Latavius Murray, though. I don't know if I'd be fine starting them both every week. I don't think he's going to have a reliable yardage. He'll probably have good spiky games and obviously like good touchdown games, but you know, he might have a game where he rushes for 20 yards and has one reception for five yards and then no touchdown. And then what are you going to do? And I think it should be pointed out that if Kamara were to go down for some reason, which he's in very good, he has not, you know, got, I don't think he's, I don't know if he's missed any games, but maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong on that. 
and it helps that he just doesn't get tackled. It's impossible. But if he were to go down, Latavius Murray locked RB1? I yeah. think so. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So probably the most valuable handcuff in the league and also is valuable when he's not a handcuff. Basically like an Eckler, but better. Uh, assuming Gordon is the lead Ooh, back there. Strong disagree on that. Well, well uh, if Gordon was the R, it was there. It, right now, Eckler okay. is more valuable. Okay. But yeah. I see. I see yeah, what yeah. you're saying. Okay. All right. Well, um, in that case, let's swing on over to the wide receivers. Michael Thomas is the safest receiver in football. Probably doesn't have quite as much upside as some of the other guys in the top tier, but he's super safe. Great floor, great hands. Uh, you guys have them both around 12, 1,200 yards, eight touchdowns. That's right on the money for me. I don't, I don't see any reason to go against that. You, if you guys have any other comments about him. Not really. Better better in PPR, uh, but no, he's great. Yeah, yep. not much else to add. He's fantastic. So let's talk about the other receivers because I see you guys have De- – uh, excuse me, Ted Ginn is ahead of Traquan Smith currently. Um, you know, they, they, they got rid of Rashard Matthews, and who was apparently on the team, if you didn't know that. <laughs> uh, and then they also got rid of Cameron Meredith earlier in the offseason. So they've gotten rid of two receivers here, which really opens the way for a Traquan Smith breakout, if you ask me. Ooh. The door is open, Kent. Whether or not Traquan can walk through it is another question. Uh, right now, I actually have Ted Ginn uh, as the as a wide receiver, two in this offense. I, th- I think he's good. When he's healthy, he's been good. Um, but honestly, I'm not really interested in anybody behind Michael Thomas uh, in the receiving game and Jared Cook, uh, but we're not. We're, uh, we're uh, pop quiz. How yes. old is Ted Ginn? Ooh, he's got to be 30, 1.7. 33. He is 30, 34 years Ooh. old. Oh, my heavens. That's right. And that guy can still Tra- run like crazy. Yeah, he, can. he burns. Well, unless he chickens out of his own race. But anyway, I'll, <laughs> I'll leave that for another time. We're going to wrap this up. Um, but I, I think the door is open for Traquan Smith. Uh, we'll see. It depends on Breeze and if he can push the ball downfield a little bit more. But um, the opportunity is there, in my opinion. Uh, and then real quick, let's talk about Jared Cook. I think a lot of people are hyped about him this year. How do you guys feel about his possibility in the Saints offense? Uh, I, I mean, I don't hate it. He's my tight end 13. He's out of that what that, the kind of group that I mentioned before where I'm happy to have him leaving my draft. I really don't want to be stuck with Jared Cook, but if I am, I'm not going to be livid. Uh, I have him for 50 catches, 600-plus yards, and four touchdowns. That's fine for a tight end. Um, he's not going to be the you know second coming of Jimmy Graham. He's not even going to be as good as he was on the Raiders last year, which is sad to say because he was the only thing on the Raiders last year. So don't let the hype uh, fool you if there still is any. Uh, he's not going to be credible. I don't think he's even really a tight end one, if you count that as a top 12. But he's, you know, eh, eh. He's fine. Um, <laughs> no, I, I actually have him a little bit higher than Okada. I've got him at nine. He is my wide receiver, too, on this team behind Michael Thomas. But I just want to caution, you know, it's it's not like I have him as a locked and loaded two behind Thomas. I've got him with a few more targets than Ginn, um, a decent amount more than Tracon Smith. So I think I'm I'm okay leaving my draft with Jared Cook because of what we've seen from other veterans that have come in, namely Benjamin Watson 
and be elite fantasy options with Drew Brees. So I think he's okay. I'm not reaching for him, certainly, but if, if I leave with him in my draft, it's fine. It's fine. It's yeah, okay. I feel okay. I feel. No, I, I'm, in the, I'm in the same boat because uh, he's up there in age two, actually. Uh, I don't have his age pulled up in front of me, but he's he's older as well. Um, but I think he, he looked good last year, and there's reason to believe that he could, he could do that again, and Drew Brees is obviously a better quarterback than uh, Carr is, so... I like him a decent amount. I might take him if I'm pretty if if I'm desperate for a tight end that's not a punt tight end. That's that's the guy I'll end up with. So I agree with that. And uh, I think that's it. There's no one else really. Uh, uh, Taysom Hill. What what <laughs> what do you do with him? What no no nothing. nothing. He had nope. like nine. He had like nine rushing attempts. Yes, you're in a in thirty man best ball league with uh, <laughs> two quarterback spots, maybe. But ah, <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. Don't draft Taysom Hill. <laughs> He's not good. Anyway, well, he's fine for what he does, but not in fantasy. Anyway, that's going to wrap up this show. This was the NFC South. That means we have only two more divisional shows to go, and then we'll have all of the divisions analyzed for you, redshirt style. Um, Yeah, any last-minute comments on any of these teams or anything else, gentlemen? Um, This is going to be a fun division. I think that, uh, you know, this doesn't really matter too much for fantasy, but... I think every team in this division could be good this year, and it, it'll be an interesting one to see who makes out of the playoffs. Yeah, or they, the playoffs. they are packed, just packed with fantasy-relevant players. So, yep. I mean, we had a lot to talk about on this show, and we, we rushed it a little bit, and we're still at about an hour. So that's pretty good stuff. Yeah, yeah they're all good offenses. That helps. I was going to say, this is one of my favorite divisions for fantasy and if you guys all want to get access to literally every single player's projections that okada and i and kent have been talking about for the past three weeks you can find them on patreon.com uh patreon.com slash redshirts pod is where you can find those you also get access to our slack channel more bonus content um yeah great value and and you get a lot with that value so head on over check it out word All right, well, that's going to wrap up the show for the NFC South. Uh, Thank you for listening. You can find us on Twitter at RedshirtsFFPod. And uh, also make sure to check out our website where we have tons of awesome articles and the podcast host is there as well. So thank you for listening, and uh, we'll get back to those other divisions for you. Once again, we are the Redshirts. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Redshirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at RedShirtsFFPod and check out our website, RedShirtsFantasyFootball.com.